Let us pray. Our precious Father, I want to thank you for the privilege we have tonight again to study your word. Studying your word builds our lives spiritually, builds our faith, and gives us a vibrant, victorious spirit life. We trust you with it, that by your spirit will lead us into all truth, will teach us and give us understanding. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, we are back. We are back uh, to the book of Hebrew, chapter 2, really. We stopped at verse 9, but I'm going to go all the way to verse 5 so that we refresh our memory about the last things we said. That will help us to flow on to the next verses that we are going to study. And at the end of this study, we are going to start talk about healing too. We are taking both of them side by side. So we're going to talk about healing. So it's important that you stay and listen to that part too. So in <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 2 verse 5. So last week we stopped at this verse. Verse 5 says, For he has, not, he has not put the world to come, of which we speak in subjection to angels, but one testified, note that word, one testified in a certain place. He's referring to the book of Psalm. In a certain place saying, what is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you take care of him? You have made him a little lower than angels. But when you go to the book of Psalm, you see that what he said is really a little lower than God, not a little lower than angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor and set him over the works of your hand. Because in Christ, we are higher than angels. We are seated with Christ. We are not, so it's, the proper translation is a little lower than God. You know, when you, when you study scripture, some people, you should understand about these translations. Let me talk about it a little bit. A lot of these translations are done by scholars. Scholars get together and do them. Some of those scholars are carnal-minded. They don't have revelation. They, they, they do what they call word-for-word translation. They don't, trans, they don't trans, trans, translate based on concept of the whole Bible and the gospel. And then some, some websites will tell you, oh, this, this version is wrong, this one is good. I don't listen to them. Because some of them are based on it's this, this same, the same theological mindset that will approve the ones that is done by their colleagues. But I found that in studying the Bible, you need to study to know the concept from where the scripture is coming. When you, you study the Bible holistically, don't pick it one by one. It's a whole truth, body of truth. You study it holistically. When you see something, you know that this is the wrong translation. Some of those ones that they, they, that they, they give us, their translations are not good in some things. So you allow the Holy Spirit to really guide you through that. So when you read in this place now, it says, lower than the angels. You should know if you study the scripture holistically that the Christian cannot be lower than angels. So what I do sometimes, I go back to translations 200 years back, 150 years back, and I get it there. And sometimes when you, when you know the context, you find a, a translation that has it correct. The same thing they did with Isaiah 53. Some of them that translated it did not believe in healing. Remember, that there was a time the church didn't believe in healing. Many still don't. So instead of translating that he bore sickness, they say he bore our sorrows. That's what they wrote. So you need to really study the Bible carefully and let the Spirit of God guide you. And like I said, if you study as a body of truth, you can't miss it. 
There are these ones that are translated by single people, and they have revelation. They have revelation. They do better than all these professors. So here now we see there, it says, for he has not put the world to come, of which we speak in subjection to angels. But one testified in a certain place, what is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that you, are, you take care of him? You have made him a little lower than angels. Like I said, this is not the right translation. Though. You have crowned him with glory and honor, and set him over the works of your hands. Look at Psalm 8 verse 5 they are referring to. It's in a certain place. Psalm 8 verse 5. Yet you have made him but a little lower than God. You see what I'm saying? Well, you know that the, the, man, the man is referring to is the Christian who is who has been exalted with Christ. He can't be lower than angels. So you get to get the context from the holistic teaching of the Bible, not from picking one verse, one verse there. You, 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 you may not get it right. You know, so Psalm 8, 5 says, Yet you have made him but a little lower than God or heavenly beings, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. It's talking about you, the Christian. You made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. That's you, the believer. You have put all things under his feet. That's you, the believer. It's repeated in 1 Corinthians 15, 27, Ephesians 1, 22 to 23. And now here we see it. All sheep and all things, yes, the beasts of the field, the best of the air, and the fish of the sea, and whatever passes along the parts of the sea, O Lord our God, how excellent and majestic, glorious, is your name in all the earth. So this verse is talking about, uh, let's let read Ephesians 2.5. You see, it's just talking about what happened to us as Christians. In Ephesians 2.5, even when we were dead in sins, had quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved and had raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. We can't be lower than angels. <laughs> if, if we are seated with Christ, then Christ cannot be lower than angels. So we cannot be lower than angels. In verse 19, Ephesians 2 verse 9, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places? So that's where we are seated. We can't be lower than angels. That's where we are seated. Far above principalities and powers and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is come. I have put all things under his feet, which and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which you are part of, which is, the, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So in verse 8, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 8, now Christian, you see where you're seated. These are not just stories. There are things you should believe because if you don't, if you don't live where you are seated, things that you, you, you should rule over, should rule, they begin to rule over you. They begin to rule over you. And if they start ruling over you, they rubbish your glory. This, this sitting, in, sitting and living in authority is not a joking matter because we are confronting things that want to usurp that privilege from us. So in verse 8, it says, you have put all things in subjection under his feet, for in, in that he put all, all in subjection under him. He left nothing that is not put under him, talking about you. But now we do, see, we do not see yet all things put under him. So it's not a contradiction. All things have been put under us, but we, we don't always live at that level, at that privilege that God has given us in Christ. 
You know, and they look at Romans 5.17. For if by one man's offense they trained through the, the one, much more those who have received abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through one Jesus. So we were supposed to reign in life. But what he's saying is that we don't always relieve like that. If you hear some Christians talk, you would think that, that we are defeated and the devil is in charge. The devil is everything. We are just at the mercy of the devil. And yet there are people who should be reigning. People who should be reigning. They talk like they are slaves. And so the reason is that we are still engaged with spiritual confrontation with the enemies of our soul. They deceive us sometimes and motivate us sometimes to say wrong things. It's not always, but they, sometimes they, they make us say wrong things. They make us believe falsehood. Because they deceive us. That's why they have all these false doctrines. And they make us see things from a human point of view. Because we keep watching only television, uh, uh, one, <laughs> uh, um, Social media, instead of being on God media, we're on the, on the world media and all this media. So the enemy gets through, gets through us through all this kind of junk. So because of that, sometimes it plants doubt into us because we see things from a human point of view. And then we start acting from human point of view and putting human solution into spiritual problem. And we get confused. And then sometimes we are consulting friends, consulting experts. Who is more expert than the Holy Spirit? Again, we've grown in this body because of the sin that is in the flesh. In Romans chapter 8, verse 3, Paul spoke a mystery. He said there's sin in the flesh. Sin in the flesh. That, 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 that this, this sin in the flesh battles our spirit and tries to hinder us from doing what we want to do. So that's why all, all things have been put under our feet, but sometimes we don't leave it in reality. So in Galatians 5.17, for the flesh lost it against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one, one, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things you would. You see what we're saying? Sometimes because of this, this engagement of, of the flesh, which is sin in the flesh. I'm going to explain it by the grace of God very soon. That sin in the flesh works in the mind. Sin in the flesh is the unrenewed part of your mind. That is carnal. And the Bible says the carnal mind cannot obey God. Is the unrenewed part of you. Because we have not all 100% been renewed. We are, as we study, we are renewed. We are being renewed. And renewal continues. So that part of us that is carnal, that is unrenewed with the word of God, is, it has sin in it. Because that, that nature of carnality cannot obey God. It says it's impossible. It's not possible. So that part of us in, in us resists what the Spirit is doing in our lives, resists the new man that we have, and fights it. Because he wants to have, because he's proud, he wants to have ascendancy and have control over our lives. So that part of our mind that is not renewed 
It's what Paul is referring to as the sin that is in our flesh. Let, let me say something. You see the flesh you have and I have. You see my hand. My hand just can't start doing anything. I have to will it to do something. The sin in the flesh is in the, is in the, is in, is in, is in the will. It's in your mind. I can't go anywhere. I have to will to go. So what really causes my body to do things? It's what I will. It's that cannot part of me. When it rises, I can get mad. I can say thanks. I can act like that. But when I get back to my senses, oh, I say, oh, my, I shouldn't have. But when he rose up, he made me speak. He made me want to hit somebody. My hand can't just get up and start wanting to hit somebody. No. There is something that wills it and makes it do that. And it comes from your heart. The unrenewed part of it. Look at what our Lord Jesus said, referring to it in Matthew chapter 7, 21. For from within, listen to our Lord, out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murder. You see, it's coming from that unrenewed part of you, which has sin in it. So that is what wills you to murder. It wills you to commit adultery because it's unrenewed. It is carnal. So Jesus said, from within, it's not from without. From within, out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts. Covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, and evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within. From within. And defile the man. I, I thought for a long time. I said to the Lord, what do you mean defile the man? But I just, as I was preparing this scripture, I just boom, it clicked. I got it right away. The fourth time we're going to talk about it. So you see why the, the scriptures say my people are perished for lack of knowledge. Because when you lack knowledge, you are, you are, your carnal mind will lead you, will be the dominant thing walking in, and will make you do things that carnal people do. And give the devil a spot in your heart, in your life. Can out of, uh, all the issues of the life come from the, uh, come from the heart, from the mind. So this is why studying the scripture is very, very important. So your mind is constantly being renewed by the word of God so that, so that you don't, that sin in the flesh cannot have dominion and begin to make you do things. They want to know whether it's true. Check your life and check the things you've done. And when you come back to your senses, you say, why did I do this? Yeah, because your mind is not sufficiently renewed. Is that carnal part of you? Carnal part of your mind that there is sin in it. It's not spiritual. So the more your mind is renewed, the more spiritual you are. And that's why studying the scripture is very, very important. But let me say that a lot of people don't study scripture. Oh, it's unfortunate. I was telling to the women, there's spiritual stagnation in so many lives. We're so contented with I'm a pastor. I preach. I do this. I, that, that's not what makes you grow. They are wonderful. But what makes you grow is to know Christ. There's, you know, there's no more hunger. We, we study the Bible because I have to do quiet time. It's an obligation. You won't go far that way. You won't go far that way. 
I'm telling you. So studying the scripture is very important so that your mind is constantly renewed with the word of God. And your soul is set free for control of this carnal thinking. So you can respond to God with faith. You know, so you can now see why we are saying that people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Look at Second Timothy two fifteen. Study to show thyself approved unto God. If you don't study, you will not live a life that is approved. A workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God, the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblers, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. He said, profane words, words that are not truth. That are not from that are not underwritten by scripture. You see, they, they will produce ungodliness. 17. And their word we eat as doth a cancer, of whom is Herminius, Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred. He said, These people have erred from the truth, saying that resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. You see, that's what wrong doctrine does. If it overthrows your faith, it makes you believe what is not true. And promotes carnality in your mind. Because the only thing that can set your mind free from that is the sincere word of God. The truth. And that's Christ himself. Only him can set us free. See, backsliding starts with lots of love and desire for the word of God. That's where backsliding starts. You can be a senior pastor, but you are backsliding. What you bring is someone you copy somewhere, what people say somewhere. You don't have any freshness in your, in your heart. There's no freshness in your spirit. Backsliding, let me repeat it. Backsliding starts with a loss of love and desire for the word of God. Such people may have a form of godliness, but there's no power. You can't say it's not Christ. Christ, who is the power of God. There's no power. It's, not, it's not him doing that. The Pharisees were good at it. They were good at the outside. But Jesus said inside you were, were dirty. And that's simple character management. Unfortunately, that's what we preach to the Christians in most, in most Christian gardens. It's character management. You know, a Christian... A Christian does this, you should do this. It's good to remind Christians their responsibility. But that's not what will change them. Without Christ, we can do nothing. That's not what will change. It, it looks religious, but it won't help anybody. It's, it's, it will make you start managing your character. You won't go far. Oh, people, salvation is not a man. It's not a man to change himself. You can't change yourself. Forget it. You know, so this character management is for the choir. We come to church, look so good, but in the home we're different. In the job, we have, we have split personality. Split, and it doesn't bother us because we never really live for the glory of God. We live for our own glory. So what causes this spiritual decay? It's lack of desire for spiritual growth. Lack of, Paul wept because of this thing. He, 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 if you read all his writings, that was the pain of his heart. He wasn't seeing spiritual growth. He wasn't seeing it. He said, well, we, we see it in Hebrew. He said, when you're supposed to be grown, you're still babies. He wrote to the Ephesians. He, he wrote to the Corinthians. He said, you're all babies. 
there's no growth. There's no, and the Corinthians, you see, they were in adultery. They were, he was telling, they say, you don't know who you are. You don't know that you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Church, let me even talk to us a little bit. We come to church and we beautify our church. You know, we're doing everything. It's wonderful. But how about you that is the temple of the Holy Spirit? How, how come we allow armor of junk in our hearts, in our lives, and yet we say we're the temple? If we can do this for the physical house, how much more can we do to keep ourselves pure? For, for we, are the, we are the place of his habitation where he lives. How much more? And it's only the word of God that can purge us. Because Jesus said you're clean because of the word that's spoken to you. So what causes this spiritual apathy or lack of desire for the word of God and the knowledge of Jesus? It's love of the world. Oh, my, my, my. We spend our time in social media. Love of the world culture. Are you going to preach a Christian not to wear a rag? But I say we have the spirit of sound mind now. We should know that wearing rag is not what you should do. Do you need someone for that? If the spirit of God is that the spirit of decency, that say do all things decently and all that is guiding you, should you need somebody to tell you that you should dress decently, cover your, your, cover your, your nakedness? When a woman is going to wait and is exposing her breast, my question is for who? You already have a husband. Who are you showing your breast for? Why do the world have to sit? Are you seeking somebody to come after you? And yet these things happen. That will tell you how the church has backslidden. It's, we have access, it's no more. And you need to bring laws to stop it. And I'm not bringing any law. Because laws don't change anybody. <clears throat> Love of the world. Even people dress their children in rags. Even some do Halloween. And they justify it. Ah, it doesn't mean anything. No, the reason you do that is you love that culture. And the spirit behind that culture is called Satan. We don't understand what it means when we do something. The Holy Spirit said that some people are already worshiping Satan. Why? Because they live and do what is of him. So little foxes spoil the vine. All these little, little things we do. I was telling the women, I say, see, you come for your conference. Ordinary carry food. You won't carry the one that's you. You carry, you carry for yourself, carry for your husband that, that is not here. The devil already got you because that thing you are doing will cut the cord. It will cut the power. It will move. I'm not kidding. You, you simply cut it. And you are just there, just in the flesh. He already got you because you are ignorant. The same Holy Spirit say, in honor, prefer one another. That's what you should do now. When you come and stand, take the one that's your own and allow others. In honor, then, then you are walking in unity with him. But now you, you are greedy and you carry, 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 carry because you think you're wise. But what you've done is cut the power. You cut it. You cut fellowship. And you suffer, brethren, if you cut the flow of his power. How will you fight sickness when it comes? When the devil attacks you, 
Where is the anointing here? You become like Samson. That's why I start looking for prophets, looking, because you're weak. The very power, the very power you need, you've gone, hindered it, grieved it, stopped it. Prayer, you are weak, you can't pray. There's no anointing working in you. So Jesus told us that all these things, all this work of the flesh we engage in, that they defy the man. That's what weakens your spirit, and you don't have desire to study. You, you manage, you know, you are praying, you are looking at time. There is no vibe, there is no life. If they give you Sunday school to teach, people sit there, they sleep off. There's no life coming out of you. You, you see, you can communicate information, you can, you can also impart life. They are not the same thing. So what does it mean to defile? Let me show you how I learned what defiling means. You see the car we drive, the battery, you know, sometimes it has, it develops corrosion. And when it could develop corrosion, you can't start your car. The battery is not, there's no power from the battery to start your car. That's what, all these things we do corrodes the contact with the Spirit of God. It corrodes it. So the power is not flowing. So our life can't start. So but when you go and clean it off, you connect it, bam, the power flows. When Jesus said this thing defied the man, that's what it means. It forms like spiritual corrosion. That corrosion will not let contact with God. It, it causes fellowship. It's works of darkness. It causes fellowship. And you are struggling and doing everything in the flesh, fasting, all that in the flesh. But it's not of him. Because you have developed spiritual corrosion. Either because the way you talk, the way you get angry, the way all manner of things, gossip, all those things. And it blocks your battery. And when they say Philistines have come, you ride like Samson, but you can't do anything. The scripture said that they have come to the time of bath, but they have no power to deliver it. You, you have all these, all these promises and things, but you, have no, you don't have the power to bat it. The scripture said, having all these promises, let us now go and cleanse ourselves of all these things that cause spiritual corrosion. That's why you don't have a lot. People are not, some people are not really, they're not really hungering for God like Paul was. Very deep hunger to know Christ. Very, very deep hunger. We've settled into motions of I go to church, I do this, I do this. People, Jesus does not identify us with those things. He doesn't. As good as they are, he doesn't. He identifies us with his life. He said, when you love like, because I'm love, people will not know you're my disciple. And they say, if you don't have salt, if you don't taste like me, even though they label you salt, <laughs> even though you're in a container of salt, but if you're not tasting me, he says, you are worthless to me. So when we start to study the word of God, we develop a vibrant, strong spirit life that can, that can impact life to people. When you talk to your family, you don't, you're not giving them information. You are imparting life. When you talk to friends, you are imparting life. When you talk to people, 
them personally. It doesn't mean they respond immediately, but to go home and that thing follow them. Because it's coming from a spirit that is connected with God, that is walking in tandem with the spirit of God. And when you pray, it's inspired by him. I'm going to, we're going to do our prayer first. And by the grace of God, we're going to teach what is spirit-inspired prayer and what is carnal-inspired prayer. They're not the same thing. And you don't need a lot of noise for God to answer your prayer. All you need is let it be of the spirit. Then that will be his will. So when we study the word of God and feed on it by meditation, we develop a vibrant, strong, spiritual life. A vibrant, strong, faith life that manifests Christ's life. Because Christ's life is manifested by faith only. By faith only. So let's, let's go to the, where we're supposed to. So I just went and did a, 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 a rehearsal of where we are, of what we said last week a little bit. So we can float to verse 9 and continue. So we can now go to this verse, like I said. Jesus made a little lower than angels when he died and was made sin. Of course, verse 9. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, which is true. Why? For the suffering of death, crowned with glory now and honor that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for all, everyone. So when he died and became sin, he was made little, little lower than angels. So in Philippians 2, 6 confirms what the, the writer of Hebrew is saying in verse 9. He says, who being in the form of God, though taught it not robbery to be equal with God. So he was God, but made himself of no reputation took, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. See, that's what he's saying. He said, he said, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned now with glory and honor. So now, in verse 9, he said, wherefore God also had now highly exalted him. So you see, he's now crowned with honor and glory. And giving him a name, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth, and things under the earth. Verse 11, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So that's what that verse 9 is saying, that he died, and because of death, he was made a little lower than angels. But we see him now being crowned with glory and honor. That's exactly what the, the writer is saying in Philippians chapter 2. Now, verse 10. It says, for it was, that is Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10. For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. Awesome. Just teaching us that it was, it was through the suffering of Christ that we are made sons of God. We are not made sons of God through our own goodness. And this is what the problem is, because people don't understand salvation. So they think that salvation is what you earn. If Christ didn't die, none of us would be saved. It was through his suffering that he brought us to God as his sons of God. Through his suffering. Through his suffering. 
We must understand the gospel, otherwise we will not benefit from it. For it was fitting for him, for whom all things, and by whom all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. So he became the author of our salvation through suffering. The, the provider of salvation through suffering. God says that's the way. It was fitting that it happened that way. So in Hebrew 10, it says, uh, through his suffering, a perfect leader, fit to bring them into their salvation. That is New Living Translation. The fit to bring us into our salvation because it's the one that died for us, paid for our sins, became a cause for us so that we are blessed. He's one that redeemed us. And when he's paid for our sins, our sins are forgiven. Because God, can, God cannot afflict us twice. When Jesus has been afflicted, because he, the Bible says he made him pay the price for all our sins. So it was fitting that he, having done that, that he can now be the author of salvation to all of us who believe in him. Acts chapter 4 verse 12. Neither is there salvation in any other. I hope every Christian will read this and believe it. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we are saved. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It is through his suffering. If you like, confess sin from now till Monday. It's not through that. It's through his suffering. Through his suffering. Not anything else. There's no other name mentioned, given to us. Confession of sin. Fasting. There's no other name. Through his suffering. Through his suffering. Believe in the Lord. What must I do to be saved? They said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved, you and your household. True. He has suffered for you already. Believe that what he suffered is for you. And then you get, you appropriate it becomes yours. Through his suffering. Verse 11. <clears throat> Verse 11. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all one. Now, this verse is very interesting. Now, we're going to hang out here a little bit. For both he who sanctifies, that's one part, and those who are being sanctified, that's another part, are all one. For which reason he's not ashamed to call them brethren. That's another part. Three parts here. Those who are sanctified, who, who sanctified, those who are sanctified, those who are being sanctified, and they are all his brethren. He was saying in verse 12, I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will sing praise to you. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, here I am and the children whom God has given me. There are three major points here. We're going to look at them. Number one is those who are sanctified. It's not, it's, not, it's not a contradiction that we are sanctified and that we are being sanctified. It's not a contradiction. It's perfectly in order. So number one is we are sanctified, already sanctified. We're talking about our spirit now. So in Ephesians 4, 24, it says, put on your new creature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So the new man is holy and is righteous, sanctified. When you came to Christ, you received his life. That life is sanctified. 
And again, in Colossians 1.13, for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. When he purchased our freedom, when he died for us with his blood, our sins were given, we were sanctified. Hebrew 10.14, for by that one's offering, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. See, he repeats the same thing. We say. He has made, made them perfect, but they are being made holy. He's made them perfect, but they are being made holy. Those who have been sanctified and are being sanctified. So they are saying the same thing. So and he said, it is through one offering that he made us holy. Because that offering paid for our sins, washed us of all unrighteousness. And through that offering, God was able to make us new creatures. He took away the old, because sin is nature. People, sin is nature that manifests acts. That's why Paul talked about sin in the flesh that manifests sin. Sin is nature and they manifest acts of sin. That's why in Christ we received a new nature that manifests the righteousness for Christ. So when Christ came and gave us a new nature and our old nature was crucified, then he has sanctified us, made us free of sinful nature. Again, when we talk of sin in the flesh, we're not talking of that one. We're talking about sin in the mind that creates the will to do something. Until that mind is, is completely renewed and nobody has gotten 100% renewed yet. That's why studying, we keep studying. So Hebrews 10, 14, for by one offering, he forever made perfect, forever, those who are now being made holy. Second Thessalonians 2, 13, as for us, we can't help but thank God. Why are you thanking God? For you, dear brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, we are always thankful that God chose you to be among the first to experience salvation, a salvation that came through the Spirit who makes you holy made holy by the Holy Spirit, and through your belief in the truth. It came through your belief in the truth. When you believed in the truth, you got that salvation, and the Spirit made you holy. Your sins are forgiven. Your old sinful nature is gone. You now have a new nature, which is, which is righteous and holy. So by nature now, you are sanctified. Verse 14 says, he called you to salvation when, you told, when we told you the good news. Now you can share in the glory of the Lord Jesus. Why? Because we have his spirit. We're sanctified. We're no more strangers. We belong to him. There's a scripture that Jesus, Paul was talking about. You know, when Jesus told him, I'm sending you now to these Gentiles that so you can preach to them and bring them from power of darkness to light. And so they, they receive inheritance that all the children of God have in him. And they're, they're sanctified by faith that is in me. Faith that is in me. Faith that is in Christ brings that sanctification. When you put your faith in Christ, you receive a new life. You receive forgiveness of sins. You receive a new nature. Sin is nature. 
that manifests its own kind. The Bible says, by nature, we were children of disobedience. By nature, by nature. It was that nature that produces, produced that disobedience. And that's why the scripture said, when the law was given, that nature rose up. Because by nature, it disobeys law. It said the law starts sin. Because the moment you bring the law, oh, sin by nature. It's like giving banana to a monkey. What does monkey do with banana? Start eating. So immediately the law was given. The thing started up sin. Because the old sinful nature likes to break sin, break law. So when he saw law, ah, it's like giving them yam to good. It started, that's what the, that's what they say in Romans chapter 7. He said when the, when the law was given, that he went and stirred up sin. Stirred up that act of rebellion that is in us. But when Christ came, he cut off that old nature, gave us his new nature, so that we can serve God by the Spirit now, not by obeying the Lord. Life is not law. Life the new life is not law. It's a nature. Now let's talk about being made holy. So like I said, this looks like a contradiction, but it is not. Because the scripture above have shown us that the new man, the new creature is holy. The nature we received is holy and righteous. The, the new creation is holy. If any man is in Christ, is a new creature. So he's holy, he's righteous. And this new creation is a spirit being, not our physical part, which remains as we see it. So our spirit man is holy. Then what is he talking about being sanctified? When we got saved, when we get saved, then start the process of renewing our mind, like we said. Start the process of renewing our mind, like we said. So we can believe what we don't see that God has done. Because it's in believing that we see the glory, we see the reality. It's in believing. So we start that process of renewing our thinking along the lines of the new nature so that that will bring us into conformity with the nature we have inside. Because if that, if that sin in the flesh is the dominant thing we have, then it will make us, be, that's why the Bible said that these are carnal Christians. They behave like unsafe people. So that will make us will to be doing what is wrong, that we think is correct. Because even though we have a new nature, but our will is still carnal. Paul said you are carnal. And they say, because you are carnal, I can't teach you everything. You, don't, you are not able to understand it. Because what is dominating you, it's your carnal-mindedness. You think like human beings. You say you are like men. So the process of educating our mind, so we start thinking along from God's point of view. Paul said, we don't, we don't see people anymore from human point of view. Say so we see people now from spirit point of view. He said, therefore, if any man is in Christ, we see him as a new creature. We see him that all things are passed away. Behold, all things have become, and we see that this new life he has is not selfish anymore. So that we don't live for ourselves, we live for Christ. We see the nature of this new life. It's not selfish. The opposite of it is selfish. The opposite of this is love, which is selfless. You say we see this new life, it's love, it's not selfish. So it lives for Christ, it doesn't live for itself. It's describing what, you say, I believe this thing. 
And I believe this thing. He said, because I believe that I have it, I believe those of us who have received this new life, we are no more living for ourselves. Because this very life, we saw it die for us. This life died for all of us. So that's the nature of that life. It's not selfish. So in us, it's manifesting the same thing. It's not different. This life that died for all of us is in us putting others first and doing everything for the good of the person at their own expense. That's what Paul wrote. He said, we need, to, we need to evaluate people from human point of view. We don't do that anymore. So every Christian should learn that you need to renew your mind until you stop seeing things from human point of view and start seeing it from God's point of view. That's that process of sanctification is talking about. It's to clean your thinking and bring it in line with what God believes. So you start believing what Jesus believes. Start believing what the scripture says. And unless we start believing our new creation realities, we will not experience them in real life. So the process of sanctification of our, our heart, our thinking, starts with studying the truth, the word of the gospel. Galatians 3, 21 teaches us that if you are studying the laws of Moses, you will never develop faith. Law is <laughs> not the author of your faith. Neither is it the finisher of your faith. Only Christ Jesus is the author. Faith comes from knowing him. Because you have, you have to believe him. You have to believe who he is. You have to believe what he did for you. You need to believe who he is for you. Christ is not law. Jesus Christ is not Ten Commandments. Moses brought the law. Jesus brought truth and grace. So the book of Galatians 3 to 21 says, is the law then against the promises of God? So you see, the verse is that there is the law and there are the promises of God which Christ came to fulfill. They're not the same thing. There are the law which Moses brought. It's on this side. But there are the promises which Christ came to fulfill. And the testimony of that promises is called the truth. So now you say, is the law against the promises? Say, God forbid, for if there's any, if there had been a law given, which, which, which could have given life, verily righteousness should have come by the law. But there is none. The law cannot give you righteousness. It cannot set you free from the bondage of sin. It cannot bring you salvation. Only Christ can in fulfilling the promises which was made to our father Abraham, that we being saved from our enemies and from the hands of all that hate us, we can serve him without fear all the days of our life. He said, this is the deliverer. God has raised the Lord of salvation, Christ himself, from the house of his servant David. That's what gives salvation. And that's what makes you live the life that God wants you to live. And without faith, you can't live that life. The law has no faith in it because it depends on you. Not on God. So he says, is the law then against the promise of God for God forbid? But if there had been a law given that could have given life verily, righteousness would have been from the law. But there's none. There is none. Friends, there is none. Righteousness comes from Christ. So renewing the mind is how we change 
and live the new life by faith. By faith. You cannot, you will not be able to access anything from God unless by faith. It's not possible. You cannot please God. Jesus, the Holy Spirit said, it is impossible unless you learn to live by faith. It's impossible to please God. You can't please God outside of faith in Christ. For Christ is all to you. Unfortunately, all this is in the Bible, but we push it to my side. And we teach laws, 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 laws. Are you, are you surprised that there's stag- spiritual stagnation? People are running around looking for prophets. They can't even discern what is right or wrong. Anything they prescribe for them, they do. Because they are desperate. They are really, they have problems. So become vulnerable. Romans 12. So, so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you. Let God himself transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. That's the only way we get transformed, into living the new life. That's the only way. Changing the way you think. So you learn to believe what, what Christ has done. You say, because of what God has done. You learn to believe what God has done in Christ. Learn to believe you're a new creature. Learn to believe that the old things have passed away. You learn to believe that sin is not your master anymore. Jesus is your Lord. You learn to believe the new you. You learn to honor the cross and what God paid for you to have. Then the Holy Spirit will start do, manifesting it. You see your life transformed without effort. All that pornography, it's not, it won't even interest you. People, the Bible says this thing should be, should be killed, not managed. Put it to death. It's not managed. See, when we teach people character management, we're telling them to go and manage with something that's stronger than them. The Bible says, because of the weakness of the flesh, the law could not do anything. But when we teach people to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, their faith begins to manifest victory over those things. Because the power of God is activated. The reality of what Christ does is activated. The new nature is activated. And the new nature does not watch pornography. The new nature. Friends, this thing is... is very true. You don't make effort. It doesn't attract you. It holds no attraction at all. It did. As we were dead in sin and presence, so we are dead to the world. Paul said, the world is dead to me. I have no connection with it. And that's true. Because the new nature does, has nothing to do with the world.
when the Corinthian church was committing adultery and everything, Paul said, so you don't know that it's the temple of the Holy Spirit. Their question was, their problem was ignorance. So don't you people understand who you are? They didn't know what salvation brought to them. So they were seeing themselves as normal human beings. Normal human beings. But you are peculiar. I had a testimony of a brother in New York here who was struggling with pornography. Ah, every time he struggled, struggled, struggled. And he shared that somebody brought him the gospel truth. Say, you know you don't have to struggle with this thing. The reason you are doing it is because you are struggling with it. He said, if you can start believing that you have a new nature and leave it with God, don't even struggle with it anymore. Just believe your new nature is righteous and holy and does not respond to this thing. Christ is the one at work in you. The life you have is Christ. It doesn't respond to this thing. So that's why you kill it, by the power of the Spirit. You, you activate the power of the Spirit, you kill it. You kill the desire. So you see, because the desire is coming from sin in your carnal mind. But when you begin to renew your mind with the truth of the Word of God, that carnal position that is making you do that begins to go away. The brother said he was shocked. He didn't even have a desire to look at it again. In fact, it was nostalgic to him. If you live in this sense, all these women that show their naked, it's, honestly, it's not said, it looks so cheap. It doesn't even appear. You have no time for that kind of thing. You are not making any effort, but it doesn't appear to you. Lie, lie, doesn't mean nothing. You are dead. No effort, nothing. But the Spirit of Christ is dominating you. And because you see him dominating you, you're not going to go tomorrow and start boasting about it. Because you know, if you're not for him, you go after it. But that's, that's a power that works in you. And that power is activated because you are believing what the testimony of the Holy Spirit about him and what he did for you. But when you are calling him a liar, it's not going to work. First Peter 2.2. 2. I'm talking about being sanctified, <clears throat> how we're being sanctified with the word, renewing our minds. First Peter 2.2, 2. like newborn babies, you must crave pure milk, spiritual milk, so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation, a full experience of salvation. I, the, the, I was detailing on Hebrew chapter 6, and then my mind struck where he talks about things that accompany salvation. I say, yeah, that's true. Things that accompany salvation is freedom. Total freedom. You are in Christ. You can't be bound. It's the new life. You are not under a curse. You're not the guidance of the Spirit of God. Let me tell you something. If the Spirit of God is guiding you and you are really, really, if you have a vibrant spirit life with him, it will, it will moderate how you behave. It will moderate it severely. It will. Unless 
You are not under the power of the Spirit of God. It's so powerful. It will moderate how you talk. Moderate everything. And it's not everything you talk about. There are things you see and hear you keep quiet. It's not because you didn't see it, you didn't hear it. But it's not responding, so you don't even have desire to respond. You don't have desire, la la. It's like you don't have the inspiration to talk. It's like you don't have strength to talk. So you just keep quiet. It takes away struggle. You enter his race. <laughs> you are not decision is not you are not making a decision because he's the one making every decision. You don't get a hundred percent, but as you keep growing in it, then you are being sanctified in your mind. And the sin in the flesh is dying off. The, that part of your unrenewed mind, the carnal mind that will not obey God, is, is going, and then the spirit mind, the mind of the spirit is, is, is growing in you. That's the process of sanctification that is taking place in you. There's a, a brother in our church that the, 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 the children said, said, we have a new, a new father. He said, we have a new daddy. Wow. Yeah, that's the process. Process. So the way he's talking to them now, it's not the way he's talking to them before. You know, something is happening. He's becoming more loving, more caring. You know, the children noticed it. If the children noticed it, the wife is in heaven. <laughs> because he's a loving husband. You, you can't have the spirit and not be a loving husband. Be a loving husband. It, you, don't, you, are not, you are not making yourself do that. No, he's, he's the one at work here. You be a loving husband. And all this can't and cross talk of anger. Just, it's strange. Very, very strange. Sometimes the enemy will try to make you do this. You find this attenuating power. It brings you to your senses. But we have to grow into a full experience of salvation. That is this sanctification process that the word of God brings. Cry out for this nourishment. The Bible says we are nourished with sound doctrine. It nourishes you. Nourishes you. Now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. In Colossians 3.10, it says, Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. See, as you learn to, not, not, not learn to know laws, is to learn, to learn your creature. Yes. Is that conduct? Yes. There are times you remind Christians of Christian conduct. But that's not the focus. The focus is Christ. Looking unto Jesus. If you take your eyes off of Jesus, you are in trouble. Looking unto Jesus. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric or civilized, slave or free. Once you come to Christ, Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. So if you are barbaric, if you are Jew, Gentile, once you come to Christ, he takes over your life. That's what that matters. So that, that, that levels everybody. All old life is gone. There's a new life which he takes over. Christ is 
all that matters, and he lives in all of us. Verse 16, Colossians 3, 16. Again, we're talking about the process of being sanctified. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. He's the life. Got to know him as your savior, as your healer, as your wisdom, as your sanctifier, as your life, as your all and all. So you put your entire weight of your faith in him. You got to know him as the one who died for you, who gave his life for you. He shed his blood for you. It's not just such story. It's a reality. And all the benefits of that, you should know him as, as, your, as your advocate. Who stands before God for, on your behalf? Know that his blood is speaking for you. Believe these things. Confess them. Confess them. Verse 16. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives you. See what I'm saying? He gives you. It's your wisdom. It's the source of how you do your job, where you work, the business you're doing, how you marry your wife, marry your husband. He gives you the wisdom. He sometimes he pauses. You pause. Don't, don't follow your emotions. Push you. Emotions are dangerous because sometimes the emotion pushes you and you want to do the right thing. Emotions are not from him. Let me tell you something. If you want to know if God is talking to you, be patient and pause. Emotions are not stable, but God's word is stable. If it's emotions, it's like he, that's emotion, emotion. At the time, it dies down. <laughs> you will know that your emotion is not God. But that one from God is steady. He will say it today. He will tell you tomorrow. It's steady. You will notice it's steady. It doesn't change. So you don't be in a hurry. The Bible says you have need of patience. You have to test all these things now. Emotions are not steady. You're excited today. Before evening, boom, it's gone. That will tell you that's your flesh. But if it's of God, you have the inspiration. It continues. You may not hear a big voice, but a little, a little inspiration. You, it's, it's steady. In the night, it's there. You wake up, it's there. It's going nowhere. You know, ah, this is God. And then with scripture, because God will walk in line with scripture to confirm it. You know, ah, this is God. If you are not patient and test things that come to your mind, you can make mistakes easily. And the Spirit will guide you through the Word. It, there's no way He's not taking you to the Word. He's, put, he's bringing the Word. But watch out, it's going to be stable. And it's not going to be pushy. Emotions push you. <laughs> you know, you get angry, push you to sit. The Spirit of God is not pushy. He gives you room to make up your mind. That's why you know it's him. You know it's him. It's steady, scriptural, it's not pushing you. So you decide on your own. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs to God with thankful heart. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus. A representative doesn't take over. <laughs> you, you allow the person who sent you to give you the wisdom now. 
to guide him. Giving thanks through him to God, the Father. I was telling the women that we, we need to be aware of the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes he gives you a hymn. Sometimes he gives you a poem, a, a psalm. Sometimes he, makes you, he wants you to speak in tongues. He starts making, inspiring you to pray in the Spirit. All you need to do is find a place, a quiet place, and start responding. Don't make it a show, public show. Ah, the Spirit wants me to pray in the Spirit. Start disturbing other people. You quench him right there. Because he said, in honor, preferring one another. He didn't say, go and disturb other people. In honor, preferring one another. When we were in Sabbath, I told him, I said, I'm not doing it. I said, if you don't want to be in this church, leave us alone. I said, I'm not doing it. I said, our neighbors have a right to sleep. I'm not coming here to disturb them. The scriptures say, in honor, preferring one another. Let's, they have a right to sleep. They're not Christians, so what? I'm not doing it. If you want to pray, pray when you are awake. We we'll come here, pray. I think from 8 to 9 or 10 or something. I said, what we do? Go home and sleep. The church was growing. <laughs> More people were coming. Until it became the third largest church in Foursquare. Never did. That. And people say, that pastor, they don't do navy. They say, yeah, this church is open. If you, if you don't want to leave us, just go. I'm not going to disturb my, these neighbors. I'm going to respect them. I'm going to love them. I'm going to allow them to sleep. That's what we please Jesus. And allow you women to go and be a wife to your husband. So you go home. So the Holy Spirit reveals all these things to us. He reveals all these things to us. In Luke chapter 24, 44. And he said unto them, These are the words I spoke unto you while I was yet with you that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. 45, then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. You see, except the Holy Spirit opens your understanding, you won't understand the scriptures. And when people don't understand it, please don't fight and don't talk about it. Because there are things you too have not understood. So only him, that's part of his teaching process. He opens our understanding, but he does it if we are interested, if we are listening. But if we are proud and unteachable, he will leave us alone. James 1.21, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of nothingness and receive with meekness. It is with meekness you receive the word of God. That the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. And so we need to learn how to control ourselves by the power of God. How to say no. You must know that the, the, the sin is no more your master. See, the spirit of God is in you and you don't have any obligation to the flesh. In 1 Thessalonians 4.3, it says, God's will is for you to be holy. So stay away from sexual sin. Then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor. Stay away, control your own body, live in holiness and honor. How? Romans 8, 11. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. Mortal bodies. 
kill mortal bodies. He'll give life to your mortal bodies. He controls, he's the one that's working you to, to will and to do. Just like your carnal nature also is making you do the opposite. The spirit of Christ is making you do the thing that is right. So let's continue. He gives life to your mortal bodies through the, his spirit who dwells in you. Verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we adapt us not to the flesh anymore. Because there's a power that we've got to believe it. Christ in me, the hope of glory. You've got to believe and trust him. He's giving life to your mortal bodies. Just like the carnal life, carnal mind will give the evil life to your mortal bodies. Make them do things. The same way Christ in you makes you do things. But you have to believe it. You have to. You have to. You have to. He's, he's living through us. Giving life to your mortal bodies. He said, therefore, because of him, you are no more a debtor to your flesh. You don't owe your flesh anything to do what he wants you to do. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. That is to say, you go cold. There's no more desire for spiritual growth. No desire to know Christ. No, you're studying quiet time. You're just dead. No life. But if you, if by this, like we see, when you live according to the flesh, then you start doing all these things that cause corrosion. Now, but if by the spirit you put to death, put to death, not manage it to death, the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. The gospel will not profit us unless we believe it. Hebrew 4. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his race, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them. Why? Why? Not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we who have believed do enter rest, as he said. I've sworn in my right if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. If you don't believe in this work that was finished for you, you are not in faith. And now what you do is you try to reproduce your own works, so he will keep quiet. But if you trust his own works, then the Spirit of God will manifest it in your life. You know, so if we don't have, if we don't believe the gospel, we're not going to experience it. There's another thing that we must, we must not touch is self-righteousness. That's dangerous. The, one of the most dangerous spirits is the spirit of self-righteousness that makes you so proud and makes you think you, have, you, have, you are better than everybody else, you are holier than everybody else, you are awesome and God must hear your prayer. <laughs> it's a dangerous spirit. Isaiah 64, 6. But we are all like an unclean thing. And all our righteousness are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf. And our, and our iniquity, like the wind, have taken us away. All the righteousness we try to present to God, it's not it's our own. But what God wants to see, going to, to believe, is the works that Christ did for you. So that the, the, the life you are living is, is coming from him. You know, it's, it's his life. Because that's the life that pleases God. My beloved son, human, will please. So it's either you want to produce your righteousness or you allow Christ to live through you and produce God's type of life through you. Jeremiah 17, 5 said, this is what the Lord says, cost are those who put their trust in mere humans, who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. 
It's very tempting. Very, very tempting to try to live a self-righteous life. Galatians 3, 12. And the law is not of it. It's not of it, but the man who doeth them shall live by them. But look at John 15, 5. I am the vine. Ye are the branches. He that abided in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Self-righteousness is waste of time. The Pharisees perfected in it. Hebrew 11 says, But without faith it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seeking. So it is by faith, people, in believing the gospel, that Christ produces this life. Remember, he's the one at work in us to will and to do. He's the life we have. He's all that matters. Our faith should be in him from beginning to the end so that he produces his life through us. But when you want to produce your own righteousness, that's when you go to the law and begin to count what you have done, how good you are, how this is this. And then, the, then because of pride in you, you begin to look down on others. That's why this man went to the temple. He said, I'm not like that man. See, God, see what I do. That man is not you. He's not like me. It's pride. And God doesn't look at that. So we must remember that part of the things that we must do away with if we want to be sanctified is to accept Christ as the source of our life. And let him walk through us. He said, he said give me the burden of your life. Do you know what yoking means? Carry my yoke. Yoking is, in that context, is a big cow, you bring a small cow that has no strength and yoke them together. So the, the big cow's strength is multiplied because of the big, the small cow. It's multiplied because that's why I say, take my yoke upon you. Come, let me yoke, come and yoke to me. Tie yourself to me. As a branch, as a branch attaches to the tree. Tie your, to me. So you have no strength. I am the big one. So your strength is multiplied. Applied now, because you are yoked to me, I'm the one directing you, doing everything, feeding you, threatening you, giving you wisdom, for all good things come from me. That's how you live your life. Enter his rest. And you see your sanctification growing from glory to glory as you know him more and more. Praise the Lord. So we're going to stop here. And then next um, Thursday, we continue. I want to teach on healing. I want to teach on healing. Teaching on healing. Healing and everything we get from God must come from unrelenting faith. It is persistent faith that gets it done. People. James 1.6. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Nothing wavering. It's not today. Yeah, you came to church. And, and don't give God's words emotional response. It's a waste of time. You must give it a faith response. You must give God's words a faith, faith response, not emotional response. Like I was saying, emotions is of the body. It doesn't last. So you can't say today, ah, yeah, it's mine. Tomorrow, ah, I don't see anything. <laughs> That's what I was saying about the promise that God gave us, that we should go home and meditate on it too. Renew your mind with it and hold on to it. And don't look at, at what is happening around you. Just believe that it's for you. And you see it happen. My wife went to him and 
printed it and gave it to all of us. <laughs> In fact, I saw where she's doing her trade me. She put it right there. She put it on my table. Everybody, you printed it. Say, this is it. That's what I'm going to do. You know, and that's what you do. You, you don't waver. You don't waver. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed about. Circumstances toss him. Today he thinks things are better. I say hallelujah. Tomorrow he says things are not better. I know he's it's sad. He's being tossed up and down. He can't receive anything from God. For let not that man think he shall receive anything, including healing of the Lord. A double-minded one is unstable in all his ways. You can't receive anything with double-mindedness. So when you lay hand on your healing, on any blessing of God, you must, you must persistently, persistently insist that it's your own. Let me show you that from the Old Testament, people that walk with God, they didn't, they didn't really waver. Look at Elijah in bringing rain. Remember after he dealt with the prophet of Baal, there's this rain, and he told the, the king, he said, you should go home now. The rain is coming. Because after three years, there wasn't any rain. Elijah, when he told king to go home and get ready, the rain is coming. They didn't go home to sleep. Oh. No, he put his faith to work. He didn't go home to say, yeah, the rain is. No. He put his faith to work. He went to there and bowed down. He said, go look, go and check. He said, there's nothing. He said, go back. There's nothing. Go back. There's nothing. Go back. There's... What was his thing? He was persistently having expectation. We should learn from the shadow. Let me read this. First Kings 18, 41. And Elijah said to Ahab, Get thee up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. What? <laughs> Where is the rain? No sign of rain. No wind. Nothing. He said there is a sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink. And Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. He didn't go home. That man didn't go home. And he cast himself down on, upon the earth and put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, go up now, look towards the sea. And he went and looked and said, there is nothing. At that point, that's where many people go home. <laughs> it's not working. And he said, Go again seven times. Keep going. That rain is coming. Keep going. It's coming. You see, that God says something doesn't mean you see it happen immediately. In fact, sometimes it looks the opposite. You won't see anything. But you have to have persistent faith that this is what God told me. This is true. 44, and it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, behold, there arises a little cloud out of the sea. A little. A little. Like a man's hand. And he said, go up unto her, prepare now that chariot and get it down, that the rain stop thee not. Verse 45, and it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. They came from a little cloud. There was not instantly that cloud. No. First of all, there was nothing. <laughs> nothing. So when there is nothing, just stay, keep saying what Elijah said, keep going. Keep going. Keep going. First time, yeah, go. Second time, yeah. Third time, yeah. Fourth time, yeah. Fifth time, yeah. Seven. 
Keep going. You must see it. It's there. So unrelenting faith is what gets it done. And unrelenting faith does not consider the circumstance. Elijah did not consider that there was nothing initially. There was, not, there was no sign. Elijah did not consider it. He didn't consider it. He said, no, keep going. What was he considering? God said it. That's it. God said this thing. That's it. It cannot be a lie. Did somebody else do it? Yes. Romans 4, 19. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body. Now dead. Elijah did not consider that there was nothing. You see, keep going. Abraham didn't consider his body was dead. Persistent faith does not consider circumstances. Because sometimes the enemy will make things worse, so they quit kidding of it. Do not consider his own body now dead. When he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Double issue. His own body, the wife's body. The Bible says he didn't look at it. Elijah refused to look at circumstances. Abraham refused to. If he did, his faith will die. Faith does not come by looking at circumstances. It doesn't come. It comes by hearing God. It comes by looking unto Jesus, the living word. So you want to renew your mind and reinforcing your faith by looking at that scripture. Looking at that scripture. I just saw on YouTube one, one young man and a the wife, they said after 13 years, I think they had a baby, after 13 years, they stood on scripture. 13 years. Those special babies come that way. Those babies that come after 13 years, they're always special babies. Almost always. The big miracles that stagger people comes this way. Check the whole Bible now. The big miracles that stagger people, it comes this way. It comes this way. So Abraham refused to look. So if you start looking at your circumstances, calling your friends, and start talking, 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 you're out of faith, forget it. The Bible said they couldn't benefit from the gospel. Verse 20, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he has promised, he was also able to perform. There was a full persuasion about what God said, because this is God. I mean, that's how you show God your God. It's not just singing in church, no, no, when we're going home and things face you. you if it's God, why don't you believe him? So if you come to him, must believe that God is so. If God said it, that's it. Don't sing it. If God says it, and I believe it, that settles it because the choir is playing the instrument. But immediately you cross here. You don't even remember that God said it. You have forgotten it. It doesn't work like that. Look at Hebrews chapter 3, 14. For if we are faithful to the end, that's how it works. Trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed. We will share in all that belongs to Christ. That's how it works. If you are faithful to the end, 
trusting God just as firmly as when you first believed the word he gave you. Then we shall share in all that belongs to Christ. That's the way it works. It's not by wavering. So I didn't see anything. Things are getting bad. Abraham, his own God was. Elijah saw nothing. They say, keep going. Keep going, my friend, keep going. So we have to keep the word of God in focus, in meditating and confessing. Remember that the carnal mind inside will fight you. Thoughts will come, the devil will bring thoughts and say, it's not working, it's not working. No. You've got to believe the scripture, fully persuaded, and fight it out. So you have to meditate on it and confess the word of God. Confess. I told you people, morning, afternoon, night, confess the word of confess that word, meditate on it. Unless you don't want to, unless you don't believe in it now. If you don't believe in it, why are we talking to you? Why do you have to confess it? Confession establishes your faith boundaries and identifies what you claim is yours. It, 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 it defines your faith boundaries and identifies to the enemy that this is my own. You don't keep quiet and they're taking it, you keep quiet. No. Say, no, that chair is my own. Mm, don't, mm, this chair is my own. That's how you establish your boundaries and say, you see that chair? It's my own. Devil, you don't touch it, it's my own. That's how you say, this healing is my own. Scripture said it is my own. You keep confessing. We are declaring it before the enemy. That's my boundary. That's my property. If people come here and they start taking things and they take your bag, you keep quiet. Don't you say, no, 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 that's my bag. Oh, mm, give, give, give me this. You're establishing your boundary. I say, no, that one belongs to me. You don't take it. Confession establishes boundaries for you. So if you say nothing when they're carrying your bag, you know what they will do? They'll carry it because you didn't say it. You didn't identify, identify it as your own. You know, our Lord Jesus Christ in first, sorry, in first Timothy 6, 13, Paul was writing to his son. He said, Timothy, I give you charge in the sight of God who quickened all things. And before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, he said, before Pontius Pilate, Jesus gave a good confession. Why, why did he have to do that? In Amplified, Amplified, he said, First Timothy 6, 13, in the presence of God who preserves alive all living things, and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession. What did Jesus do? Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? The devil will query you, are you healed? Are you healed? Look at your pain. He'll query you. Are you he'll challenge you now. Say, are you healed? Look at Say, you pray, did you get it? Look at it. He'll challenge you. So when he challenged Jesus, I said, look at, who you, look at how you are. Are you really the king of the Jews in this? Me that have power to release you or not? Let, let's read it. John 18, 37. Pilate therefore said unto him, Are thou a king then? <laughs> Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. But listen, 
To this end was I born. I was born a king. Make it clear to you. Say, what they're saying is right. I was born a king. Because when he's, when he's born, they, 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 they came and said, where is he that was born king? So I was born to this end. I was born a king. To this end was I born. And, which means, I was born a king. And for this cause came I also into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. He said, I was born a king. Yep. I was a king. That's who I am. It's part of what is happening around me. It doesn't take away who I am. I was born a king. To this end was I, was I born. I was born for this purpose, a king. King of kings and lord of lords. Where is he that was born king? Say, yeah, I was born king. He confessed it. So when the enemy challenges you, are you healed? He say, yeah, I'm healed. Look at my authority scripture. You confess it. Because he will challenge it. So if you are healed, say so. <laughs> if you are redeemed, say so. Establish your boundaries and say, yeah, I'm healed, I'm redeemed, I'm righteous, I'm created holy, I have a new life. Yeah, that's where I am. Yeah. And then you testify before the enemy, I was born righteous. I was born to be like Jesus. I have a new nature. I was born like that. Okay? I say, but if you are born like that, so what? No, no, no. I'm being sanctified. I'm going from glory to glory. But that doesn't take away that I was born like that. You don't kill my, a baby because he hasn't started behaving like I don't know. He was born a human being. I had all the privileges of family. If he's a child of queen, Right from there, I start, they start treating him like a heir to the throne. You're also a child of a king. Confession brings possession. Because words in the heart have no effect until they are spoken. As I'm sitting here, if I say to somebody, Ore, come, Ore, can you come up here? I want to tell you something. No, 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 come up here. Come, I want to tell you something. You know what I want to tell you? I was born a king. You know why you already came? Because I said, come. If I didn't say, come, will you come? Okay. Things respond to you only when you talk. Thank you. Only when you talk, <laughs> will they respond? You, 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 you nothing responds when you have said nothing. He was sitting at the camera there. If I wanted him to come, no matter how I wanted him to come, unless I said so, he can't respond. You have to speak to your mountains and they respond. Confession says, you won't be here. This is what God said. You don't have to say here. This is what God said. And they respond to you. So confession brings position. Mark eleven twenty three. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, if you don't speak to the mountain, it's going nowhere. <laughs> be moved and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things which he says shall come to pass. He shall have whatever he says now. So you confess that, yeah, this is me, this is who God says I am, and healed by the stripes of Jesus. The Bible says you shall have it. You shall have it. All those sicknesses are listening to you, because they have ears. 
mountains. They have ears. Sickness is a mountain. They have ears. You have to speak. You have to speak. They listen to you. They know where you stand. They're telling them, no, this body, don't touch it. This is what God says, and this is where I stand. They must hear you. Second Corinthians 4, 13. We, we have the same spirit of it, according as it is, it is written. I believe, therefore, I have spoken. If you believe, say so. We also believe and therefore speak. If you are not speaking, you don't have the word in abundance of your heart. You don't have the faith. If you have the faith, you say so. So what do I say? I'm glad you asked me. This is what you say. Isaiah 53, 4. Surely my sicknesses he had borne. And my pains has carried them. We have esteemed the plague smitten of God and afflicted. And his, his, he was pierced for my transgression, bruised for my iniquities, the testament of my peace on him. And by his bruise, I've been healed. That's what you say. That's what you say. It establishes the boundaries. And then those sicknesses hear you. Yeah. Because it will be to you according to what you believe. I said you meditate on it in the morning, the afternoon, and the evening. In the morning, the afternoon, why? They must hear you. Oh, they must hear. May you must insist. Persevere. Stay on it. They must hear you. Because God says so. Elijah stayed on it. Abraham stayed on it. You stay on your own. I stay on my own. Then the next thing you say is Psalm 103 from verse 1. Bless the Lord and you say it with joy. You say it with power. You say it with excitement. Say it like it's true. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. What are his benefits? Who forgives all my iniquities? Who heals all my diseases? Who redeems my life from destruction? May you say it like you mean it. Who crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercy? So the lost mercy I'm not consumed. Who satisfies my mouth with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles? My body is renewed like the eagles. So Hebrews 10.23. Let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering. For he that is faithful, he that, he that, he, for he who is faithful that promised. For he is faithful that promise. I think you can, you can add the one we had on Sunday that uh, the administration, administration has sent to everybody. Those scriptures that God gave us on Sunday. You can add it for your family too. Confess it too. Appropriate it too. Declare that it's your portion. Don't forget it. Forgetful hearers get nothing. Keep it, the Bible says keep it in view. Keep it in your heart. He said, when you find it, keep it in view, keep it in view, keep it in view, keep it in your heart. It will become health to your flesh and life to you. It will change your life and become that thing that the Bible says. But you have to keep it in view. You have to keep it in the heart. That's why I said meditate on it in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening. See this one that God gave us on Sunday. I love what my wife did. She didn't waste time. She just went and printed it out. Said, honey, this is your own copy. Everybody, your copy. While she's doing her exercise, I went there and saw that she pasted it there, right there. Right there. On the treadmill, right there. And that's what we should do. 
We do that, and when you are doing that, some, you pray over it too. Say, Lord, this word must enter my spirit. It must go in, because the, the seed must enter. If it enters, it begins to bear fruit. Lord, open my eyes. I need to understand what I'm saying. I need this thing to bear fruit in my heart. You pray over it. Lord, help me to stand on it. Let me stand on this truth. By, you are the strength of my life. By your help, I'm not falling. Because your word is true. You meditate. You pray over it. You confess it. You do the battle. Battle of faith. Victory brings victory. Faith is what manifests your victory. And one day you wake up, everything is gone. For some of you, your symptoms are reducing. But that's not what you look at. Reducing or not, it's not what you look at. You look at the word of God. But I, personally, I do experience that when I start meditating, those things start reducing. They start reducing just before long they're gone. But I, I, like I say, don't look at them. Just keep looking at the word. Because sometimes the enemy will make it get worse. Like Abraham, he got older now. But Abraham didn't shift a second. But one day, Isaac came. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Let us pray. Our precious Father, we just want to thank you for the word that you gave us to this evening. We trust you by your spirit to help us understand it. So that we give it a faith response, not emotional response. Because nobody receives anything by emotion. We receive only by faith. And Father, help us to stay steady. Because only those who endure to the end wear the crown. Those who drop back, they don't wear the crown. They don't receive anything from you. Keep us steady to fight it. It's a good fight. Because already we are overcomers and more than conquerors. We have won even us in the middle of the fight. Because you said we overcomers. Thank you, merciful Father. For there shall be a shout of joy. Even as you told us on Sunday. We shall live and not die. And we declare the glory of God. Thank you, merciful Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.